I don't know about you, but since pastor sermon Sunday morning, Holy Spirit's been tearing me up, which is a good thing. Been doing a lot of soul searching about what he talked about. You know, we've all heard the prophecies over this body of believers. And I know the passion of the pastor and a little bit of the frustration because he's one, he's a doer. I mean, he's a mover and he's a shaker. And uh, I always remember Brother Landry, who was the pastor here before. He used to always say the hardest thing is to stay not just in the will of God, but with his timing. He said, I don't want to get ahead of him. Don't want to get behind him. I want to stay with him and move as he moves. And that's, uh, that's what I want. But I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I've been frustrated for, for a number of years, and I don't have anybody to blame but myself. I'm not, uh, I was one of those people that when pastor said, how many of you guys grew up in this? I was one of the ones that raised my hand. I'm one of the ones that remember as a kid sleeping on the bench, but seeing the power of God move in the services powerfully. And I know we're not supposed to look back, but I miss that. Now we've seen some of that, but not, not what it needs to be. And like I say, I've been doing a lot of soul searching you know, within my own heart, life, and mind about, God, what can I do? You know, what can, what can I do? What should I be doing in order to further the kingdom of God? You know, and I, I, I got another confession to make. The other morning I was praying over, you know, what the Lord wanted me to speak on. And I'll get to it here in a minute, but basically, it's the, you know, it's the Great Commission. You know, what's the Bible say? Going to all the world, preach the gospel, teaching to them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. You know, you know, and it says these signs shall follow them that believe. But basically, that commission is for us. And Pastor brought it out Sunday. For us to be the ones to bring in the lost. Well, the other morning I got up, I was a little bit tireder than usual, and I may have been because I had all four grandkids over at the house that night. I'm not sure. Could have been that. But anyway, I, I got up the next morning to go pick up donuts, which is a, a ritual. And uh, I've been praying already. I've already been up. And praying, Lord, you know, give me opportunities to witness for you, Lord. I want to be used, you know, and you know, that's that dangerous prayer that you, that you pray sometimes. Well, I'm on the way, pulling into the donut shop. I get out. There's a hitchhiker going up and down the road, and he starts yelling at me. Well, I'm like, I, I don't feel like dealing with this. So I just ignored him. Went on in, got the donuts. Well, here he comes in right behind me. And, you know... He, he, he reeked of tobacco, and, you know, that's immaterial, but he did. You know, he was a dirty, looked like homeless guy. So I got my donuts, and he's, and I'm, he comes up to the counter, and, uh, you know, he, the guy asked him if he could help him. He said, well, I, I don't have no money. Well, being the good, compassionate guy that I did, I got my donuts and left. Okay? And then once I got in the car, on my way back, you know, like this. He's tapping me on the shoulder, and he's going, you just prayed this morning, and you missed it. You missed it. So, that's my confession. That's my New Year's confession. How about that? 
I really don't know what to, uh, to call this message tonight. There's uh, several things that I want to I I hit on, really kind of pushing us back, hopefully pushing us back toward the basics. I don't know if you guys have been watching the news, but uh, there's been some pretty wild stuff going on here of late. I mean, just as of today, last few days. Uh, in some ways, I'm encouraged, but more than that, I'm, you know, just seeing the state of the world. But just a couple of, couple of things I wanted to mention. I don't know if you've noticed, but politicians are starting to use scripture to support their positions. And believe it or not, abortion, homosexuality, and illegal immigration, they're using scripture to support their positions. There's a pro-abortion activist group that has just filed a lawsuit saying that abortion bans violate their religious freedom. Don't know how that works, but apparently in their mind it does. I read today that the first genderqueer priest in the Church of England has a desire to normalize that identity with children. So, you know, intrigued by the article, I, I read the article and he said, he said that he had had a revelation about scripture concerning his situation. And it was Genesis 1:27. So, you know, of course, looked it up. And it says, so God created man in his image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Well, the revelation that this guy had was that the Bible talks about maleness and femaleness and not men and women. Just to show you how stupid that revelation is, again, the Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek. If you look up the Hebrew for male and female created he them, it is explicitly referencing biological sex. Okay, so his revelation is screwed up from the very beginning. But anyway, that's, and, and again, people that don't know any better are going to take that and run with it. So, okay, we got justification for all this craziness that's going on. The scripture that I thought about, though, in reference to that, 1 Timothy 4.1, and I told the guys in the back I was going to give them a little more time to find the scriptures. And we've all heard this. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils. I'll just tell you right now, both of those religious issues are straight from the pit of hell. They are doctrines of devils. I also thought about Matthew 24, uh, which is you know the prophecy chapter that Jesus talked about. I'll just give you a little background about that. That's whenever he was on the Temple Mount with the disciples, and he said. See the stones, there shall not be one that will not, that will not be thrown down, one of these stones. And then later the disciples said, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? The first thing that Jesus said, says, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came and said, tell us when shall these things be? And Jesus answered and said, take heed that no man deceive you, that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. We are living in those times. We are living in a time when doctrines of devils, demonic influences are running rampant. 
They have control for the most part of our media, our entertainment industry, and everything else that is going on around here. Now, on the flip side of that, I was actually wet watching this. You, I'm sure you guys heard about the uh, Demar Hamlin, Demar Hamlin that uh, had a cardiac arrest on the field during the Bills and Bengals game. Well, you may or may not have seen one of the ESPN announcers stopped during the broadcast and prayed for him out loud on the air on national TV. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, and I thought about that scripture. It says, where iniquity is abound, there my spirit does much more abound. We have a tendency to think we're overwhelmed, outnumbered, outgunned, whatever you want to call it. We're not. It's only because we continue a lot of times to be silent, not stepping out in boldness. And like I say, I want to get to that. But the first thing that I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, and this is what I've been doing for the last couple of days, is searching my own heart, my own life. I thought about that scripture in Psalms where David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. That's my prayer. What I got to thinking, you know, like I said, I've been longing for the days for God to revisit his house in power and in glory. And like I say, I've been asking the Lord, praying, God, what's going on? Why are we not seeing the freedom of the Spirit that we used to see? I can remember I grew up in the Bridge City Church, and I'll just tell you, there was times where we didn't, we didn't have a, a normal service. I mean, very rarely we had a normal service. It was usually a runaway just about every time. But the Lord highlighted something to me. It was a time of, of basically overt, aggressive evangelism on part of that congregation. Those men were aggressively promoting the gospel to the men at work, to anybody they come in contact with. There were people coming into that church, getting delivered, getting saved, and getting healed. And so you ask, okay, what's going on? Well, I, I thought about this. now. I ordinarily don't bring this kind of stuff up, but it does fit to a degree. When I was working, uh, they would do these business seminars for us and all kind of stuff about, you know, trying to teach us how to be good managers and all that kind of stuff. And I never forget, there was one seminar that they did. It was called, and what they displayed was what they called the, the life cycle or the life cycle of an organization. And it said it always tracks. And just to kind of give you an idea of what they talked about, you know, first you got a, an idea, then you got basically somebody puts that into motion. It's called entrepreneurship, where the business gets started. There's a startup. There's a lot of innovation, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy going into it. And then as that business grows, it becomes more and more formal, more and more structured, more and more regulated, to the point, to the point where they add so much overhead to the organization that it can no longer support itself and it ultimately dies, goes out of business. They said one of the key issues in the death of any organization is what they call Inward focus versus outward focus. At first, a business is, you know, they're, they're focused on their customer. How can I make my product better? How can I get it out to them? What can I do to, you know, improve what I've already got? You know, everything that you buy now is new and improved. 
But that's what, that's what the, the idea is. But what happens in these organizations is they get to, to optimizing internal processes, and so all the energy and resources are focused inward to maintain the structure, and you lose total focus of the customer and the product. Now you might ask, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, think about it for just a minute. And I'll just tell you, I'm not, I'm not slamming anybody. This was all on me this week, all on me. I got to thinking about, ordinarily, what is my prayer? Lord, search me, you know, cleanse me, purify me, even use me, but it's all about me. See what I'm saying? Inward focus. Focused on me. Focused on mine. That's totally opposite. What, the example that Jesus gave when he was here on the earth was what? He said, we, he went about, and I'll just, I'll go ahead and read it. It's out of the book of Acts. You guys probably already know uh, the scripture. It's Acts 10, 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Number one, he went about doing good and healing all, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Let's stop right there. That, that word healing is that word sozo in the Greek. You need to look it up. When it talks about healing, it is an absolute, total, complete restoration, body, soul, mind, and spirit of that person. It is just simply not physical healing. It includes everything. Because God is a complete, he doesn't do anything halfway. It's always absolute, complete, and in total is the way he works. Jesus was our example when he was here on the earth. When he was here, it says that he emptied himself of him, his own divinity. Even though he was God on earth, God and man on earth, he emptied himself. What do you think he prayed? He prayed to the Father all the time. If he was God, why did he have to pray to the Father? Jesus said in one place, he says, I can do nothing of myself, but that that I see my Father doing, that I do. So how do you do that? Number one, we know Jesus prayed. How do you see what the Father's doing? Well, you gotta be out there looking around to see what the Father's doing. You gotta be available to touch those that you come in contact and to be ready at any point to give a word. Matter of fact, it says in one place to, to, have, to give every man to be ready at any time to give to any man who asks a hope of the hope that's within you. We should be ready to give that hope that we have to those that we come in contact with. And so that's what Jesus did. That's what the disciples did in the book of Acts. And I'm gonna to get to that here in just, a, in just a second. But I think in some cases, well, to get back again, get back to the basics. I was thinking about, okay, why, what's happened? Why are we, you know, in the state, in the state of the church that we're in today? And I read this passage of scripture. Uh, well, number one, going back to that Bridge City Church, I can remember we had these runaway services, but we had prayer meetings like you wouldn't believe. I mean, we, they, the old saints prayed the glory down. And I'll just tell you, my generation dropped the ball. When they passed that on to this generation, my generation, we had just been the recipients of the glory that came down, not understanding the work that went in to getting that to happen. That, that was that dedication. My mom was one of those people that, that basically... I would see her travail in the spirit. 
travail, and I'm telling you, when she travailed, things happened. The other thing is, our lives, mine included, have become way too easy. I thought about that scripture in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 16, 49. And this was an indictment by Ezekiel on the nation of Israel. And a lot of times we, we, we don't really understand what was going on, but this is an indictment against Israel. And he said, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Now, the prophet is comparing Israel to Sodom. We all know about Sodom and Gomorrah. But it says, This was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. It was in her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. But I read that pride... Number one, pride. Doesn't say nothing about the sexual perversion that was going on in this passage of scripture. It says, The sin of thy sister, Sodom, was pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Man, I thought about me. I thought about me. You know, I'll just be honest with you. There's not too many meals I'll let slide by. And again, the Lord reminded me. There's that passage of scripture in Matthew where Jesus is talking about, talking about, you know, they were disciples were asking, well, how do you pray? And various things, religious things that people are supposed to do. But one of the things that stood out to me was he said, and when you fast, he didn't say if you fast. And that's almost a bad word in church anymore about fasting. You start talking about fasting, people start getting upset. Now, I like to eat as much as any of the rest of them. But again, okay, what does fasting do? What does fasting do? It puts your body in subjection to your spirit, which is supposed to be anyway. Absolutely, and it allows you to focus on spiritual things as a result of that. Again, I, there, nobody likes to fast. But I think that's something, as a church, we need to get back to. You know, and to be willing to. I'm, you know, I, I fasted today. I'll just tell you, I wasn't real happy about it up until this evening when I ate. But I want to start I want to start doing that also. I thought about the fullness of bread, of course, and then abundance of idleness. We're getting to the point in society where, you know, we've got instant everything at our fingertips. You know, I'm retired. I keep myself pretty busy, but it's things I want to do. But if I don't want to do anything, I don't do it. I'll just sit around the house and just do nothing. Talk about idleness. When I could be... You know, and again, the Lord reminded me there's, there's things, you know, the, all this frivolous activity that we're involved with means nothing. When we stand before him, you know, he's not going to say, well, you know, how many of those video games did you win? Right. He's not going to say that. Or, you know, how many TV programs did you watch? Now, he might ask me something about, you know, how many times did you beat the grandkids? I don't know. That may be, you know, not many. Not enough. <laughs> but what we need to do is, again, just get back to the basics. Um, and you might ask, well, you know, what's the basics? And we all know. A lot of times it's not that we don't understand what is needed or what we have to do. It's just really a matter of doing it. You know, there's a, a little teaching that I'd, I'd done several years ago, and it was on that little an acronym. But it's basically repent, a rad, repent, abide, and do. You know, repent first. Get your heart and life right with what the Lord wants you to do. Abide in Him. 
stay attached to the vine and then do. You know, be not hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. And Pastor, again, has gone over that in a lot of ways, in a lot of lessons and a lot of sermons that he's, he's taught. But the other thing that I did was I pulled up, because I hear here this last year, I've been teaching in the Sunday school class about the 16 fundamentals of faith as prescribed in the Assemblies of God, Assembly of God doctrine. Number 10 is the church and its mission. And so I read it. I'm going to read it to you real quick. It says, The church is the body of Christ, the habitation of God through the Spirit, with divine appointments for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Each believer being born of the Spirit is an integral part of the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which, are, which have their names written in heaven. Since God's purpose concerning man is to save that which is lost, to be worshipped by man and to build a body of believers into the image of his Son, the primary reason for being of the assemblies of God as part of the church is to be the agency of God to evangelize the world. Again, the Great Commission. Number two is to be that corporate body in which a man can worship God. And then again, number three, to be a channel of God for the purpose of building the body of believers being perfected into the image of his son through the fivefold ministry being apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is expressly written as part of the 16 fundamentals of faith. As long as the, and the assemblies of God was founded on these principles. They were the worthy, I don't know if they still are, I would hope so, the greatest evangelistic, missionary-based effort in the world. And those areas where they're still doing that, especially overseas in the missionary efforts, they're having great success. And they're seeing the power of God manifest. Now, what I wanted to uh, go into next, and, I, and I've heard different ones say this, and, I, and I, I get what their point is. But what I wanted to do is hopefully get you thinking. I've heard different ones say that, you know, people are seeking after signs, you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a grain of truth in that. People do seek after signs, you know. A lot of times, a lot of these cults, even Christian cults are built on some revelation somebody got you know, and they've built, they've in some cases built whole denominations on top of just some nuanced understanding or misunderstanding of Scripture. So I get it. For the most part, the Christian church, and I am sad to say, even in the charismatic and Pentecostal movements, we've pretty much lost seeing signs and wonders. But what I wanted to, I'm going to share you, with you some scriptures. What about signs and wonders? What Jesus said in John 14, 11, he said, believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the works. In Acts, during Peter's sermon, after they the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts 2, 22. He says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know. So the proof that Jesus was the Messiah was the signs and the wonders that he performed. Acts 4, 29 through 30. This is when the church 
had started to become under persecution, Peter and John had been called in before the Sanhedrin and rebuked and threatened. They go back to the congregation, and this is this is what they this was their prayer. Okay, this was their prayer. Acts 4, 29 through 30. It says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy words. Their, their prayer, God, don't shut their mouth, don't stop the persecution, but give us additional boldness to speak the truth that you've given to us. And said, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. So not only did they pray for boldness, they say, God, let your signs and your wonders be made manifest as a result, again, like with Jesus, to prove that what we're saying is the truth. I'll just tell you, when you start seeing signs and wonders, when there's a manifestation of signs and wonders, wonders, and there's healings going forth, and miracles that are happening, like that pastor said Sunday, this building couldn't hold the people. Uh, you know, you guys have seen, or maybe you have, seen some of the old footage of the old, you know, Oral Roberts revivals that went on. You know, those people were, before all the craziness happened in that ministry, I mean, and a lot of these ministries started out right on track, absolute truth, straight as an arrow, you know, preaching the gospel, the, the absolute straight, pure gospel, you know, and God manifests himself through signs and wonders as a result of that. Moving on to Acts, a little further into Acts, and again, this is... You need to read the whole title, the Acts of the Apostles. That's what the name of the book. It's not just Acts, it's the Acts of the Apostles. We all know the story about Ananias and Sapphira, about how that everybody was selling everything that they had and they were bringing it and laying it at the feet of the apostles to be used in the ministry. But then Ananias and Sapphira cooked up this scheme where they were going to basically sell everything, but they were going to hold back part of it. But they were going to still go up in front of everybody and act like they were given everything. And we, we know what happened. You know, Ananias goes up there, brings everything, and, you know, Peter looks at him and says, you know, what has possessed you to lie? You know, you say, you're not lying to man, you're lying to God. And what happened? Struck him dead right there. A little while later, Anna, uh, Sapphira, don't know what's going on. She walks in there, you know. It's obvious that she conspired with her husband, you know. The same people that took the feet of your husband out of here is going to take you out, and she dropped dead. Now, we all kind of can relate to that as far as the Old Testament is concerned. This is the New Testament church. Man, what would happen today? It says right here, it says, and great fear, I can just tell you, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. You know, even in a, a pretty explicit display of the power of God, not in a healing capacity, but in judgment, because that's what it was, judgment against those two that lied, it, it even spawned a revival among the people. Great fear. I'll just tell you right now, if that happened in this church, there'd be great fear. And it, I'll just, <laughs> it would probably uh, eliminate a few in the congregation, I would think. You know, I tell you what, it would make you do a lot of soul searching before you, you know, did something. Like, and I'll just tell you, just kind of a little side note. There's some of the things that I see go on in the name 
of religion and Christianity or some of these charlatans, that's probably the best word for it, that get up there and say some things and attribute things to God, uh, they cannot have, they cannot have fear of God. They just, to do what they do blatantly and to exploit the people of God, uh, they just, there's no way. There's no way there's any fear there. Now, I pray that they all come to a realization and get saved and quit doing all the craziness that they're doing. I do. But I'll tell you, if God decided to strike one of them dead when they're up there doing that on national TV, it would probably change a little thing. I'm not advocating that. It's all in the Lord's hands. (laughs) Moving forward in the book of Acts, Acts 14 and 3. It says, long time, there, long time, therefore abode they speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. In every case in the book of Acts, just like I read, in every case where the evangelistic message was going forward and people were hearing the gospel, and their lives were being turned around, God manifested himself proving the word that was being taught through signs and wonders. And again, we don't seek after the signs. We don't seek after the wonders. We seek after him. We do what he has ordained us to do to to preach the gospel, to to tell those that we come in contact with. That's our responsibility. That's it. But I like, you know, just like I messed up the other morning, instead of using it as an opportunity, I just went my own little merry way and didn't do anything about it. I think about my stepdad, Brother Jack, y'all remember Brother Jack. One of the things he used to do routinely, I'll just tell you, routinely he would do this. He was always looking for somebody to minister to. He was retired. He retired at the age of 50. So he had plenty of time to do whatever. Now, he had some strange ideas. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. There was a lot of stuff that I didn't agree with him. But this one thing that he did, if he saw somebody, I can remember times he'd go in Walmart, and it seemed like he would look for somebody that looked like they were having a bad day. And he would walk up to them and just say, can I pray for you? I can't think of a time where they didn't let him pray for them. You know, but that ministry, that ministry, that heart of ministry. There was a guy I used to work with. He was another one. He always was looking for that opportunity to reach out. I remember we were we were at the guard shack out there where we worked, walking through there, and we stopped to talk to the guard about something. And you know, ministry was the furthest thing from my mind at the time. But we were together. We both got blue eyes. Anyway, the the guard said. Are you guys related? Y'all both got blue eyes. And the guy I was with popped up and said, yeah, we got the same daddy. We got the same daddy. And he started in. He started witnessing to her. You know, just looking for those, always looking for those opportunities. And we never know when that's going to touch somebody's heart and turn it around for them. So, there's another passage of scripture that I wanted to read. Actually, a couple more passages of scripture I wanted to read to you. Some of these are, I think, are maybe a little difficult to understand, but uh, hopefully I can shed some light on some of this. The first one is in Galatians 5 and 4. And again, Galatians is a letter written by Paul to the church. It says, Christ has become or is become of no effect unto you whosoever of you are justified by the law. And then he says, you have fallen from grace. This is another one of those pitfalls that we can get into as Christians that can undermine our faith. It can undermine our witness. So why do you say, what are you talking about? 
Well, this particular uh, message from Paul was speaking to the church because, you know, there was this controversy over the law and how much of the, you know, whether you should continue to do the law or not do the law. And some of the, the Jewish converts were, were trying to convince the, the Gentile converts that they needed to start observing parts of the law and all of this other stuff. And Paul kept telling them, you know, you know, it's the law didn't save you. The law just basically revealed to each and every one of us what the will of God is for us. Jesus coming and dying on the cross, being that substitute for us, and us accepting that sacrifice and applying it to our own life give us the ability to be righteous before God. And that's it. But if you continue, and, I, and I'll just tell you, I've been guilty of this more times than I want to think about, and I keep having to learn a lesson over and over and over again. When I mess up, I think I've got to do something to fix it. I think, you know, and I, I guess that's where the whole idea of penance came from in the Catholic Church, is, you know, I've got to do so many Hail Marys or, you know, whatever in order to be justified and made in right standing with God again because I messed up. That's what he's talking about here. If you, through your own efforts, are trying to justify or to make yourself righteous before God, then you have fallen from grace because you have avoided the sacrifice that Christ made for you and you're trying to substitute, substitute your works to justify that relationship back with him. When all you simply got to do is 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, period. And you're done. You're back in the place that you need to be with him. You don't have to go through. But again, that's one of those things that we've got to be careful of and not allow the enemy to deceive us. You know, I always, I think I, these pastor scriptures I quote all the time, you know, in the book of Hosea, my people perish for lack of knowledge. I cannot emphasize it enough. You've got to know the book. Just like that crazy gender queer Church of England person that perverted the scriptures in order to justify their lifestyle. You know, if you don't know the book, then you'll swallow that junk. You've got to, you've got to know the, the only, the only truth, really the, the, the only safeguard that we have to secure our salvation is, is to know the word of God and to rely completely and totally on the word of God to lead and guide us. Jesus said the Holy He's given us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. That's what the Holy, one of the things the Holy Spirit was given for, to lead and guide each and every one of us, to let him lead and guide us into all truth. You know, it says you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we know him, we know the truth, and if we know the truth, then we have security in him. And we can be secure. I, I like what Paul said. I know who I am, believe, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. We just got to trust in him, rely on him, and continue to have confidence in him. Now, the other thing that we've got to do, and again, talking to me, we, we can't, what we can't do, and I just, I'll go back to my example at the beginning with the, the guy. Here I was standing in judgment based on appearance and smell of what my response should be. Jesus never did that. Never did it. He was with the sinners and the publicans. He ate with them. He ministered to them. You can bet that that Gadarene demoniac didn't smell too good 
whenever he showed up. There ain't no way. Dude been running through the tombs, cutting himself, you know, howling like a, a well, howling like a dog or a wolf or whatever, you know, just completely tormented by the, by the enemy. The other thing that I, I kind of wanted to bring out too, and this, this was actually a sermon that I was listening to this morning uh, by a brother. He's got, I think it's Living Ministry Church up in Michigan that I listen to him every now and then. He made the comment as well, and, and we've heard these stories, and I don't know why I gotta keep being reminded, but I guess until I get it, God's gonna keep reminding me of it, but it seems like every time you turn around and watch the news, there's another shooting that takes place. You know, some, you know, and I'll just tell you right now, I believe all of those types of things are actually demonic. The, the people are probably most likely demon-possessed that are doing that kind of stuff. What is the, what's the devil come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy? And if somebody's taking automatic weapons into a place and just mowing down people at random, that's just the devil. That's just absolutely the devil. Anyway, this preacher was referring to one of the recent events where a bunch of people had gotten killed in that manner. And he just threw it out there. He said, I wonder who failed God. I wonder who God laid that person on their heart, and I wonder who didn't pray. I wonder who. I don't know about you. I've heard of missionaries talking about it. I heard, I heard one missionary talking about one time. It was a missionary to Africa. And he had gone into a part of Africa that was basically had never seen a missionary before. And they were very, the, the, the village was very antagonistic. Matter of fact, matter of fact, they had the village chief and the, the villagers had every intent of killing the missionary. And they told them later that they had every intent the night that they were there, they were going to go over there and just chop them up. But they said they couldn't. Missionary says, well, why not? Well, when we got there, there was these really big guys standing outside, really big guys. And they had these flaming swords with them. And there ain't no way we were going anywhere close to those dudes. When that missionary got back to the States, he was doing his itinerating. And he told that story to the congregation. He had a lady come up to him after the service. And he said, she said, what day was that? And he told her, he says, about what time would that be? Okay. She said, God woke me up. God woke me up. And I hit my knees. And I prayed through. God use me. I don't want to be one of those people that, you know, that just keeps missing it. I want to be one of those people that God can truly use. I want to be one of those people that when I stand before him, it's well done. I don't want to be one of those ones where he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Because those people are going to say, Lord, didn't we do wondrous miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? He's going to say, depart from me. I don't know you. I want God, not just me, I want God to be able to use this body. I want God to have his absolute, total, complete will in every heart and life in this building. 
to use each and every one of us as he sees fit. Just like Jesus says, not my will, but thine be done. Let the prayer of each and every one of us be, Lord, not my will, not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to close with, with the prayer and pray for each and every one of us that are here tonight that God would just quicken his word to your spirit and let his spirit bathe each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would give dreams upon our bed. Lord, visions. Lord, you said that in the last days that old men will dream dreams and the young men will see visions. Lord, I, I pray that you open that up even, even tonight, Father. But Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, you said that whatsoever we ask in your name, believing that we can have it, so that if we ask anything according to your will, we know that you hear us and we'll have the petition that we've asked for. So, Lord, I know it is your will to fill every believer in this building afresh and anew with your spirit. Lord, I ask for a fresh anointing on each and every person under the sound of my voice, Father. I ask you to open up opportunities for them to witness for you. The Lord, to, to fill their mouth with your wisdom as they speak, Father. Lord, I ask that there be a mighty, a mighty influx of people, Lord, to be saved, to be healed, and to be delivered in this place, Father. Lord, I continue to believe that the prophecies that have been given over Mag are true, and they will come to, come to pass, but Lord, give us the boldness to act. And I'll give you all the praise and the honor in Jesus' precious name. Amen.